Okay, we're going to pray for Rob and we're going to pray for ourselves that our hearts, my heart, might be open to the word of God this morning. So let's just pray together. Father, we do thank you for Rob. We thank you for his life and his ministry. We thank you for the blessing that has been here to the family at Amblecote. And Lord, we really do thank you for him and uh, Lord, look forward to hearing what you've got to say through him. And that's the important thing, Lord. It's not what Rob has to say. It's what you want to say, Lord, through him to our hearts. And so, Father, I pray that you will truly anoint Rob in all that he says, Lord, not just what he's prepared, but, Lord, just give him thoughts and, Lord, just give him things from your very heart, Lord, as he ministers that will speak into situations and people this morning. Lord, help us, I pray, to have open hearts this morning. Lord, we need, we want to receive your word. Speak to us, we pray, for all God's people said. Amen. God bless you, Rob. Well, good morning. It's a blessing to be with you again. I think it was about two years ago that I was last here. The time flies, doesn't it? And uh, I don't know if you remember, but uh, I was going through some, some stuff with the immigration. My wife is here with me this morning. My wife's Brazilian. And uh, she was having some issues with, with immigration. But thank God she's got the permanent visa. So uh, that's good news. For me anyway, for me. <laughs> Hallelujah. So praise God. And if I, uh, if I look just a little bit crooked this morning as I'm moving around, it's because I've pulled a muscle in my back. Um, you know this thing about New Year's resolution, it's in the gym a bit more. And so uh, I'm paying the price. Hallelujah. It's good to see some old familiar faces as well. I should say familiar faces, shouldn't I? Not old. But uh, this church is, is very dear to me because um, 20, is it 20 odd years ago? Anybody remember? 20 odd years ago when you used to have the, um, the youth services on a Sunday nights. And we used to come, I was at Kings Winford Summer Street at the time. And we used to come and gather all the youth together. And that such, had such an impact on my life, you know, and... Uh, contributed very much to, to where I'm at today and what God's doing today. So, uh, so it's really good, and praise God. Praise God for that. Be encouraged. But I know you've come this morning to hear the Word of God, and it's just so encouraging to hear of a church that's going through a series in the Bible. Hallelujah. So I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles in 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel chapter 4. We're not going to read the whole chapter. I'll leave that for your homework. But we'll read just one verse, which is verse 22. And then we're going to look at portions of the scripture as we go through. So 1 Samuel 4, 22. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. Amen. Let's just bow our heads one more time in his presence. Father, we just say thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to come around your word this morning. Lord, it's such a, a, a blessing to be able to freely open the word. Lord, to, to hear your voice. And Father, we do pray that you'll speak to us once again, Lord, that we will leave this place touched, challenged and changed. Lord, not entertained. Father, we want to know you more. We want to understand you more, Lord. 
Lord, as you reveal yourself and your ways through your word, Holy Spirit of God, open the eyes of our understanding, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. So the title of this morning's message is really encouraging. It's the lessons of a defeat. The lessons of a defeat. And you know, as you read through the story of Israel, you see it's a story, it's, it's intriguing, it's, it's full of tragedy as well. You know, but you see the faithfulness of God. And that's what I want to encourage you to see this morning. And as you're going through this, this whole series, to see the faithfulness of God. We've heard something of the sovereignty of God this morning. We've heard how we don't always get what's going on, do we? You know, and some of us, we go through some real difficult stuff. And we've got to try and understand or try and hold that in balance with the fact that God is on the throne. And let me encourage you as you read through the story of Israel, you're going to see that. You're going to see God, his long-suffering, his patience. You can see his mercy. You see his discipline where needed. You see him teaching his people about who he is. And it hasn't changed for us. We should not fall into the trap of, you know, relegating the, the Old Testament to a place of insignificance for us. Because let me encourage you this morning that the, the God that we serve is the same God. He's the same God. The way to approach him, the way to come into relationship with him has changed. Absolutely. Thank God that we need not offer the sacrifices, you know, those animal sacrifices that they used to have to offer constantly and go through all of the things that they had to go through, that we can actually draw near to him with boldness and with confidence, the scriptures tell us, because of what Christ has achieved for us. But that does not change who he is. He's as holy today as he was in those days. Hallelujah. And so what can we learn this morning from this, this wonderful passage of Scripture? Let's, let's just read from verse 1 to verse 3. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Number one, the thing that we learn from these wonderful scriptures, we learn that God's people disregarded their responsibility. God's people disregarded their responsibility. We shouldn't think that this was some kind of an isolated incident, you know, where God was upset about something that had gone on. You know, it wasn't just one isolated incident. It was a culmination of years and years of rebellion and sin. You only have to read through the book of Judges and you see the spiral that they were on, the downward spiral. We see the sin, the rebellion. We see that when they cry out to God, God rises up a judge to deliver them. But it gets to the point where this, this whole sin and rebellion penetrates even the sanctuary. And as you read in the story, you read about Eli, the high priest. You read about his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and how they held the, the, the sacrifice in contempt, how they were practicing immorality 
in the house of God at Shiloh. And so there came a point where God decided he was going to deal with it. And out they go. Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. You know, God knows how to raise up opposition. When he needs to teach us something, he knows how to raise up opposition. And he did, it, he did exactly that for them too. For the people of Israel, he did it because he loves them and because he disciplines those whom he loves. Notice in verse 3 it says, has, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? You see, they knew enough about their relationship with God to know that he was sovereign, that he was in control. They knew that it wasn't just about going out to fight the Philistines, to take on the enemy. They knew that the Lord was in control of everything. And they acknowledged that. Why has the Lord defeated us today? And maybe you find yourself in that similar position. You ask yourself, Lord, why have things not worked out? Why has it not happened the way that I expected it to happen? Why are we not seeing the victory that we wanted to see? Well, maybe God is trying to address something in our lives this morning. Maybe we're sitting here this morning, we're asking those questions, trying to work it out. And we need to learn a lesson. We need to learn a lesson. It's good to ask questions, friends. You see, the Bible tells us that 4,000 of their troops were slain on that day. 4,000, that's a lot of people. It was a catastrophe. Not as big as what was to come. But it was an opportunity to stop, to reflect, and to repent. We need those times. We need to listen into the Holy Spirit. We need to know when it's time to stop and reflect and repent if necessary. You see, this is what's so wonderful is that the Holy Spirit of God, He has a purpose for every single one of us this morning. And that purpose is to conform us to the image of the Son. And you know and I know that that is a process. And it's something that starts at the, at the point that we become born again by His Spirit. And it goes on until we draw our last breath upon this earth. And then everything in between, the Word of God tells us that He's working all things together for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. Is there anyone that loves Him this morning? Is there anyone that's called according to His purpose? Amen. I'm speaking to a room full of people that love Him and are called according to His purpose. And that, my friends, at times it means that we need to take time out to reflect upon our actions, upon our lives, upon our behavior. And we need to repent at times. We need to repent. You see, with covenant comes responsibility. The people of God, they had a responsibility to God. That they would hold Him in great honor. Reverence, and that was the problem with the people. That was the problem in the sanctuaries, that there was irreverence in the sanctuary. You see, we, we, we look for familiarity, don't we? We want to build that relationship. I don't know about you, I want to know my God. I want to draw near to my God. I want to be in relationship with my God. I want to love Him and glorify Him daily. But with that comes responsibility. And as those people, as Hophni and Phinehas, were, were, were drawing near and they, they were working in that sanctuary, all they were offering up was contempt for the Lord's presence. The Lord is holy. We've described it this morning. We've sung about it, haven't we? 
that God is holy. You know, in Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 3, we read about a similar incident. We read about the, 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 the two sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, how they came, they approached they approached the tabernacle, they approached the place of God's presence, and they offered up strange fire. And they were consumed. My goodness. And there's a principle there that I think is important to all of us, no matter what age we're living in. It says, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. You see, we serve a God that wants to be in the midst of his people. We see that all the way through the Old Testament. We say he wasn't happy to be on that mountain on Mount Sinai. He wanted to come down. He wanted to be in the midst of the people. But we also see that it was always on his terms. There had to be an understanding of who was dwelling in the midst. And friends, in the church today, I really believe we need to rediscover the fear of God. Now let me just explain that a little bit. I'm not talking about some kind of fear where you're driven away, friends. But that we draw near, yes, with boldness, yes, with confidence. We draw near to bring our love and our worship before him. But that we understand who we're worshipping. We understand that we're in the presence of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Where ten thousands upon ten thousands of angels worship and adore him. Where cherubim and seraphim, where they, where they, 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 you know, they close their, their wings so that they can't look upon the glory of God. We need to rediscover that in the church, friends. Yes, he's a God that loves us. Yes, he wants relationship with us. Yes, he's not happy to stay on the mountain. He wants to dwell in the midst. But we need to understand. We need to hold on to who he is. You know, it's sad. I was talking to... Um, my sister-in-law out in Brazil the other day, and, and uh, God's doing some awesome stuff in Brazil. You know, I spent nearly 10 years of my life out there, pastored out there, and saw things that were just amazing. However, you know, things are happening today that are troubling, and, and it's, it, these are days where people are more concerned, you know, about, about the color of the lights than they are about the presence of God. And that's not a dig at your lights, by the way. I love them. And you worship. <laughs> Fantastic. Have you got a CD out, you guys? Worship. No? Maybe you should launch one because I need something to, to listen to in my car. But friends, these are days where people are more concerned about the ambience than about the very presence of God in the midst. More, more concerned about the color of the walls than they are about drawing near to the presence of Almighty God, about the glory of God resting upon His church. All these things are good, but they can't be primary. They can't be in first place. They can't be priority. Priority is drawing near to the presence of Almighty God to see the glory of God manifest upon His church. It's responsibility. You know, these are days where God is once again calling his church back to holiness. Holiness. What do we mean by holiness? I'm not talking about the legalism. You know, because legalism kills. But true holiness, what does it mean to be holy? It means to be set apart. It means to be different. We've been called to be different. 
so that we might make a difference. If we're not different, we won't make a difference. We have a responsibility before God, but we have a responsibility to the world around us, just as the people of Israel have the responsibility as kings and priests to the nations around them. The Lord calls his church back to that place of holiness. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 says, Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. If we keep his commandments. You know, I'm just concerned sometimes that we just emphasize so much that grace of God, which is wonderful. It's awesome. But the grace of God, friends, is not just some kind of immunity. You know, he gives us the grace of God. He gives us the ability to be able to walk in obedience with him. He calls us to that obedience and then enables us to live out that life that he calls us to live. To know him is to obey him. Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Harsh words. This is the love in Jesus that we so, so want to serve and love. Help us, Lord. You know, there came a point where, where God's mercy and his patience ran out. And he took a decision to get rid of the house of Eli as the priestly family. He took that decision. Let's con continue reading verse 3, part B of verse 3. Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Wow. Can you imagine that scene? Can you imagine what it was like as, you know, they just, just lost that battle, that initial battle, but they, they thought they, they got the answer. Let's bring in the ark of God. Let's involve God in this battle. Let's bring the ark in from Shiloh. Little did they know that God was behind all of this, that God was dealing with his people. The second thing that we learned this morning is that God's presence did not go with them into battle. God's presence did not go with them into battle. You know, as I said to you earlier on, God, he knows how to raise up opposition. Read, just read the, the stories of Solomon, for example. He knows how to raise up opposition. He knows how to permit opposition in our lives when it's necessary. And he brought these people, they were known as the sea people. I suppose it was pretty much like, you know, we'd look at the Vikings they came from Scandinavia and they came in. They were ruthless warriors. And the Philistines, they were ruthless warriors. They were advanced war machine. <laughs> and they came in about 1200 BC and they, they populated the, the, the Mediterranean, the, the coastal region along Egypt and Israel. And they were formidable enemies. God brought them in so that he might deal with his people, Israel. 
And there they were, and, and as, the, as the, the Philistines, imagine the Philistines, you know, lined up in their battle array. Imagine the Israelites lined up to face them. And then suddenly the ark of God comes into the camp, and there's a great roar. Actually, the original says that they were blowing trumpets. It was a sign of victory. Surely now God would bring victory for these people because his ark was in the midst. That's the, pro- that's the, that's, it's the problem over. It's the problem dealt with. The problem is that these people have become so insensitive to their spiritual condition. Sin does that. Sin does that. And it can easily lead us into a false sense of security. And again, I say to you that when God needs to discipline his children, he will discipline his children. Sometimes we need it. You who are parents, don't you often have to discipline your children? And that's exactly what was going on. They disregarded their responsibility. They thought that the ark of God could be used like some kind of good luck charm. You know, and it's easy as we read back into these pages, we read back into this story and we think, goodness me, what a position to be in. But I want to ask you, be honest, how often have we done that? How often have we treated God like that? I'm putting my hand up first. There have been times when I've engaged in some kind of battle, you know, presuming, presuming that I'm going to get the victory and then very soon I realize that it's just too much for me, and then I'll bring it before the Lord. Lord, I need your help. I need your help. Anybody been, been there? You know what I'm talking about this morning? You know, these things are written as examples for us. These stories are written for examples for us as the church of Jesus Christ, as God's new covenant people. And there they were, they were insensitive to their, to their condition as a nation, but they were also deceived into thinking that God was just going to bless them. They were were guilty of the sin of presumption. What they should have been doing is repenting before God. Word says in verse 6, Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid. For they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated and every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot foot soldiers. 30,000? That's more than a third of the British army. 30,000 foot soldiers slaughtered in a battle that they thought they were going to win because the ark of God was in in the midst. But what it boiled down to, friends, it boiled down to wrong attitude. It boiled down to sin and rebellion. Insensitivity. Being deceived. We must never presume God's blessing and favor in a situation. We must seek his will and never attempt to conform him to our own will. 
You know, as I, I was, as I was reading about this, I was thinking about David. You can read about David, and I'm sure you're going to talk about David later on in the series, but there is a point where David has it in his heart to bring up the ark of God to Jerusalem. You know, and the Bible describes what it was, what it was like on that great day. There were 30,000 choice men of the people of Israel. And there was great rejoicing. The worship was fantastic. And they're going up and then suddenly the ark is on a cart, on a new cart, the word of God says. And as, as they're going along, the oxen stumble and it looks as though the ark is going to fall off. And then Uzzah reaches out his hand to steady it. And immediately God strikes him down. Wow. David is awestruck. David goes away. He has to reflect on what has happened, you know. And one thing that I realized and one thing I've been learning as we go through these, these wonderful stories is that God does not and will not compromise his holiness. Not for Israel, not for the church. Help us, Lord. Final lesson this morning. Let's read verse 19. Now his daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, was with child, due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth, for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Then she named the child Ichabod saying, the glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God had been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. Our third and our final lesson this morning is that God's glory was removed from the nation. God's glory was removed from the nation. You know, we shouldn't again fall into that trap of thinking that this is just something that happens in the Old Testament. And that happens sometimes. I confess to a time when I read some scripture and the Lord was speaking to me through this passage, a passage in the Old Testament. The Lord was revealing to me exactly what he was going to do, but all I did was disregard it because it was Old Testament and I must be misunderstanding. And then I started to realize that God, yes, he deals with us as he deals with the people of Israel. His glory was lifted from the nation. You know, we have to hold that in balance. The Lord says he will never leave nor forsake us. And I understand that. And I believe he's absolutely committed to us. But I also believe that it's possible that he might lift his glory just as his glory can come upon the church. His glory can also lift from the church. And if we don't learn those lessons that are there for us as examples, then his glory can live from the church. Revelation chapter 2 verse 5. Jesus speaking to the church in Ephesus. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Wow. New Testament. post Resurrection, Jesus speaking to the church in Sardis, Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. I know your deeds, 
You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Again, I don't need to get all theological with me on this. You know, I know that we are committed to him. He is committed to us. But I really believe, friends, when we don't learn those lessons, when we don't repent, when we don't reflect and repent when we need to, there comes a time, there can come a time where the Lord lifts his glory and we can stop becoming an effective witness. And we've been put here, friends, to be an effective witness to the generation around us, all around us, people who do not know God, people who do not know the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the justice of God, the holiness of God. And we as the church are meant to represent him to this generation, to these nations. We've got to get that balance right. May the Lord help us. I just want to conclude by... Just asking us, you know, we've all got a part to play in this, haven't we? We're all living stones being built up into that spiritual habitation for the Lord. We're all members of his church. We're all representatives of the kingdom of God. Called to be holy just as he is holy. Called to be salt and light. Number one, do we afford God the reverence, the honor that he deserves? Have we got our balance right between his grace and his mercy and his justice and his holiness? Secondly, are we truly living as salt and light before those in darkness? What do they see? What do they learn about God as they look into our lives? Do we reflect his glory? Do we reveal his character? What do they learn? about him whom we love. Let's just bow our heads again. Father, we humble ourselves in your presence this morning. Listening, Lord, to the Holy Scriptures, listening to these examples that are written for us, Lord, for our benefit. Father, I pray you will help us. Lord, where we need to stop, reflect, and repent, where there are behaviors, habits, Lord, whatever, that might grieve your Holy Spirit. Lord, where we compromise with sin, where we rebel against you, Father. Father, forgive us. And I just pray you'll help us, Lord. Help us to, to walk in obedience. Lord, to desire holiness. Holiness of thought, of word, of deed. Keep us from the extremes, Lord, legalism. But Lord, we, we know you are holy. And we want to be like you. Help us to honor you. To, to understand you more, Lord, to see you in your glory, to understand you the King of kings and Lord of lords in our midst. 
And Lord, help us, I pray, to be an effective witness to the nations, to those who do not know you, that they will look and they will see a difference in our lives. Thank you for this example this morning, Lord. You're not some kind of a lucky charm, Lord, that we can just involve when we feel it's necessary. Lord, you've called us to walk according to your purpose, according to your will. And we just thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's not the end of the story. Praise God. And I know there's more. You're going to have the opportunity to see how it all works out. So God bless you this morning. And I just encourage you to take the word away and reflect upon it as you go through today. God bless you.